Well, quickly on the feet of the last one, I'm just going to do a quick one. So this is further to McLuhan's theory of um, communication. But I've developed my own theory. So the way the theory goes is through different ages. There is the acoustic age when we spoke and our thoughts didn't uh, actually, we couldn't influence our sphere greater than our um, ability to uh, project our voice. Once we, writing evolved, then of course, you know, uh, we could uh, ourselves, um, I actually uh, call it posterity medium, right? So not just writing itself, but any medium that allowed us um, to share our ideas. Actually, I, I translate posterity medium or I uh, define posterity medium as a medium that allows ideas to be shared outside the individual's presence. So I say less writing, right? So when we talk about attributing our growth uh, as a culture, as a species or a creature, we attribute that to our writing and, and how we could expand. Uh, and uh, McLuhan talks about this idea that the mind expands. See, our mind expands out from ourselves. So this theory, like I said, there's a, a philosopher in Quebec here who believes that the psyche doesn't evolve as fast as technology. So the question is, have we evolved beyond our ability uh, to regather ourselves, right? Like the philosophy that tech evolves faster than the anima, the soul, or the psyche. So this idea that the tech has moved us out of ourselves, right? We're so disconnected from not just our somatic experience, but we have um, divided our energies up to the point that we no longer can actually reconstitute ourselves. So there's the meaning crisis. And, and I'm working on this idea that he talked about us being in the electronic age or like a post-literate tribal age. So playing with an idea of a neo-post-literal tribal um, existence, right? Meaning this, we are literate, but is it an archaic revival? The fact that, right, we've... So our digital age has devolved to the acoustic paradigm once again because new media is short form uh, or an example of Wikipedia being read on YouTube was one of the most popular formats for a while, right? So I say writing is less the, the form, the transformative uh, technology or medium that any medium that can be defined as a posterity medium, something that allows you because it goes both ways. If the written language no longer remains, right? It's not stone tablets or books anymore. It's uh, as long as your subscription lasts, you have access to the content. Or as long as the server's up, as long as the Wayback Machine um, uh, looked at the website in the past. Because it's tragic to see how many um, links ha are gone forever. Because none of this is is built for posterity, right? So that's why I say the modern age is no longer a posterity medium. We have devolved into, into the acoustic paradigm as per our culture. It's the death of the posterity people is what I call it, right? Because for so long we were evolving and developing and learning and teaching ourselves. And then here we are, we sit as example 
I mentioned uh, in the previous podcast that I was listening to a modern scholar in McLuhan uh, speak uh, on a podcast about Stoicism. And I had it set at 1.2 speed. Again, not too fast. I was making my wife's uh, lunch. And um, I actually, once I was done uh, making her uh, peanut butter and crackers, yeah, nice toasted. If you find a cracker that's uh, well toasted, uh, it's really quite good. A little peanut butter, a little bit of uh, Saskatoon berry jam, a little sugar, no other uh, preservatives or chemicals in it. It's wonderful, wonderful. But once I had finished, uh, you know, doing all that, I came and sat down, and and uh, because they were talking about McLuhan and some of his uh, his ideas, I went back to some of his old interviews because they're wonderful. He's a wonderful speaker, a wonderful man. And I put on an interview from I think it was 1969. I think it was Sinclair Lewis, and and neither here nor there. I had to double check to see whether I had had uh, the time, the speed on. But it, the reason why I had to check, because it sounded like it was faster than the 1.2 speed. But you won't believe this. Because, again, this is the technology. The medium shapes this. So if I were listening to the podcast um, with the scholar, the modern scholar on McLuhan, and opened a new tab and then looked for um, another video, and in this case, uh, an, an actual interview with McLuhan himself, um, it's oftentimes that it might still be at 1.2 times, times speed. So, of course, I assumed I'd left it at 1.2 times speed, but no, it was at normal speed. And they sounded like they were talking faster than the modern scholar. And so this, I think, falls into this idea that we've just dumbed ourselves down by being like this failed experiment at programming the human psyche. So we've lost our ability to think, to cognate, Right? Right? No longer saving for posterity, but we're no longer reasoning people either. Right? This relates to Orwell and his theories that we can no longer cognate without our reason, being only informed by memory and imagination. We're lost. Right? So I thought I would just share that idea. Um, right? Pattern recognition. I, uh, McLuhan called it percepts. Right? Uh, insight or cognitive sense. Well, we can't have that if um, we're not um, grokking the information ourselves, right? It's funny. They use this term, and I think it goes back to uh, Linux or Unix. It's the idea of, of actually grasping a topic, right? To be listening, not waiting to talk, and to really understand uh, contextually how it applies Broadly, but also to oneself, because until you internalize this stuff and apply insight and reason and all this jazz, you don't get the message and you also can't um, internalize it and then actually express it yourself, because that's the beauty. That's that's the posterity principle here, that the reason why language is wanting is because it doesn't last. It, it doesn't stand the test of time. It doesn't have that posterity principle. This idea that language is important for us to express ideas and to connect and communicate with each other. But that, as McLuhan said, required us sitting around the fire. But it wasn't until we developed a way, a means of expression, that it also... Um, 
was outside the bounds of physical presence and time. So, right, and there's an argument that uh, you can't understand anything unless you understand causality. That's a mention. I thought that was interesting, right? Cause and effect. They call it a kinetic cause, one that's obvious or visible. Is that replaced by stats, right? I, I It relates. Remember I've mentioned this, that Young posited um, that in the absence of a reason or um, a cause or an understanding, we would tend to grasp to the metaphysical. So this philosopher out of Quebec argues the same, that in this modern age, when we've moved away from religion and faith, we've become so... Uh, programmed. Uh, we've been programmed to believe that religion was strictly one thing. Like uh, Jordan Peterson uh, regularly talks about how we turn everything into a religious... Well, yes, because it's at the heart of the human condition. And so why are we so lost? Why is there this meaning crisis? Well, it's the same reason. We've lost our faith in ourselves. I mean, I'm a broken record, but Nietzsche said this a long time ago, right? God doesn't want worshipers. He wants fellow creators. The creator wants fellow creators. And who is that creator? We. We are that creator. It's the self. It's the inherent potential that we know we have. And it's an inherent potential to propagate uh, potentiality, pattern, but most importantly, posterity, right? Because we're here, and this is where I, I kind of separate, right? Freud, Freud was obsessed with sex because, again, we're here to, um, what do you call it, uh, perpetuate the species. I argue, no, we're here to perpetuate these ideas. I steal it from a recent movie, um, Infinite, the idea behind this uh, somewhat sci-fi film was there was a group of uh, people who were reincarnating over and over again, but were keeping their knowledge. This uh, archetype or trope uh, where, geez, if I could start my life over again and know what I know now, right? With a goal of trying to make man better. But again, in this idea, there's always an enemy. So in this paradigm, the enemy was someone who was tired of reliving and, and living this, as Camus said, this absurd, chaotic existence, this meaningless existence. Right? It's, you can find your meaning as to be better than your previous self, as Hemingway said. It's only noble to be better than your previous self. But that meaning loses its luster when you see that broadly we tend to negativity we tend to selfishness we tend to hate and anger but as I've said before the real beauty of uh, this human creature is it takes far more negativity to uh, denature our faith than it does to instill that same faith. 
when it takes very little magic or awe as actually that's one thing I will uh, I'll give that doctor or whoever she was Lemke uh, the interview with Joe Rogan she mentioned this idea of awe and she's right that's the transformative uh, well it's both the transformative effect and action and experience so this idea of awe I've spoken it before awe in a tragic sense can be like um, Lawrence uh, of Arabia said that uh, an experience so profound, so uh, horrible, that you can't cognate, can't think, can't understand it, your mind goes white. Here's your trauma. There's your trauma. But the opposite side of that is um, a great insight. It can be just as disconcerting to realize, oh, I've been operating on failed assumptions this entire time. Boom, here we sit. Right. What does it mean to be human? I argue it's simply asking the question. 